ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nightlife. News breakdown. Well, legislation to change Australia's tax system will be introduced to Parliament tomorrow with the government yet to secure enough support to ensure it passes. The opposition is still deciding whether or not to back the overhaul to the Stage 3 tax cuts, which will leave most Australian workers better off compared to the original plan. Shadow Cabinet's meeting tonight to discuss their position. We shall see. The Prime Minister says he's looking forward to debating the government's proposed changes to the Stage 3 cuts, and he's very curious about what the Coalition will decide to do. If they're all fair income about... Their old plan, the Morrison plan, being better than what we're putting forward, that is precisely what they have to do. Unless they do that, then it's all just wind. It's all just politics. What we have done here is put people before politics. Oh, yes, all just politics. Well, there you go. The government's uh, likely to have the votes regardless of the coalition's position. Independent Senator Jackie Lambie says, well, she's on board for a start. If we can do anything in this country, it's giving back to those that are less fortunate doing it really tough at the moment. So if it means that people like me have to take a tax cut, then so be it, suck it up and pay it forward to those who need it more. Well, the Greens have indicated they're keen to negotiate and they're considering whether or not to push for an increase to JobSeeker. The Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, however, says that should be dealt with separately to the legislation. We listen respectfully uh, when, whether it's parliamentarians or others in the community, uh, make uh, suggestions about the next budget and call for various things to be in the next budget. Uh, This is about the tax system. This is about more relief for more people to deal with the cost of living pressures that we know that they're under. Mm. Well, joining us once again for 2024 for the Nightlife News Breakdown is Hugh Rimmerton, National Affairs Editor at 10 News First. Hugh, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. Great to have you back. Nice to be back, Philip. The Prime Minister timed the change of mind, or the lie, depending how you want to characterise it, for the week before the January 26th holiday. The coalitions tried to play up the lie aspect, but the feeling seems to be that giving to the less rich rather than to the rich is a good idea. Low and middle income uh, Australians receiving a larger tax cut than originally planned. Is it a no-brainer for a Labor government, this one? Have they successfully wedged the opposition on it? Well, they kind of have. It's, 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 it does the idea to actually give more money to the people who need it most. Uh, it is, of course, a broken promise. And, yeah, um, and that does have a, it does have costs because it means that you can already see this, this starting to frame this notion that there'll be all sorts of challenges uh, to the government about uh, negative gearing being dropped or a tax on the family home or uh, on on trusts and so on. And if those are ever denied by the government, ah, yes, but, you know, you broke your promise before. So that sort of stuff will run. Mm. But all the signals are that, uh, look, you can take it to the bank, uh, that um, the coalition will wave this through tomorrow, the shadow cabinet, you know, having a meeting, but it'll all get signed off once the coalition party room has its formal meeting tomorrow before Parliament sits. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when it comes down to it, Labor's already sharpened its line. On the one hand, you've got the coalition attack line saying it's a broken promise. On the other hand, you've got Labor saying the only thing standing between you and lower taxes is Peter Dutton. And um, they don't want that argument. No. No, the whole broken promise trust lie thing, Shadow Finance Minister Jane Hume says she thinks most Australians will be disappointed the government changed their position and they care about integrity. I think Australians do care about broken promises. They've said that they would like the tax cut. Of course they want a tax cut. When you're doing it tough, 
you will reach for any assistance that, can, that, they, that you can get. But will they be bought? Will they have their integrity sold to them for $15 a week? I don't think so. Well, it wouldn't be the first time uh, the issue of broken promises reaching all the way back to John Howard's core and non-core promises, which you'd well remember, Hugh. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not uh, something owned by one side of politics here. How do you think the electorate's weighing it up? So it's interesting, Jane Hume also said today that this was a fix by the government to deal with their tanking popularity ahead of the Dunkley by-election in Victoria, mm. brought on by the death, of course, of Peter Murphy. They, um, but the clues in that, she says they're doing it because their popularity is tanking. It follows that she agrees that uh, the manoeuvre that uh, Albanese and Chalmers have come up with is popular. Mm. Otherwise, it doesn't solve a tanking popularity. So, you know, they, there's a recognition on the opposition side that this will be popular and all the signs are that it is. You know, the richest uh, electorate in the country is Wentworth, uh, Allegra Spender, the independent, says that um, 66% of the taxpayers in Wentworth benefit mm. uh, from this. These are the lower levels. So, and of course, it's much higher in other in other um, electorates across the country, and particularly in National Party electorates. So it, what's really interesting here is that there are two things that go to the question of honesty, and they are similar but not exactly the same. One is a broken promise, plainly is a breach of trust. On the other level is something closely aligned to that, and that is the sense of trust that people have in their politicians. And both Hawke and Howard won multiple elections while breaking promises. Mm. And the reason they were able to do that is that the electorate came to trust them both beyond, they saw through broken promises to the notion that, just take an example of Howard, that um, people kind of knew what they were getting and if he was changing his mind on something, uh, he was still consistent in, in reflecting mm. uh, their needs. And so, therefore, they trusted him, even though they couldn't believe him, which is a strange kind of concept, but it sort of worked for him. And, and, and of course, Howard in, in office was never wildly popular. Not ever was he wildly popular, but he kept on getting re-elected because people kind of felt, well, we knew what we're getting with him, even if he, if he right. doesn't always tell the truth. And Hawke tended to be a much more volatile character, but people still were able to be sold by him that um, that that when he changed his mind on things, it did catch up with them towards the end, but um, that fundamentally he was representing their interests. Mm. Yep. And Albanese will be trying to do that. He'll be trying to do the same thing, exactly. Seen, being Trying to be seen as a trustworthy PM. We shall see, I guess. I mean, the proof will be in the, in the wash, I, I, I guess. Look, on another matter, the Albanese government's unveiled its long-awaited plan for fuel efficiency standards for new cars. Now... The plan highlights potential savings of a thousand a year, dollars a year that is, and would place a yearly cap on the emissions output for new cars sold in Australia. The new rules would only apply to new passenger and light commercial vehicles. Now, the laws, the legislation is required to create standards, will be likely introduced to Parliament the first half of this year, take effect from January next. The government uh, bracing for a backlash from the coalition. There's a scare campaign on. Uh, about the about electric and other low emission vehicles, uh, akin to when the Morrison government claimed Labor wanted to end the weekend by forcing people out of 
utes and SUVs. Then Small Business uh, business Minister Michaelia Cashmore, you, you would remember, argued Labor's plans would see tradies' favourite utes banned. You, Hugh, there's method in this policy, isn't there? Well, there is. There's two factors that, well, there's three factors. One is that we need to get our emissions down overall and that vehicles are a source of emissions. Mm. Second thing is that uh, we have the lowest uh, emission standards, or that is to say the worst emission standards uh, in the world, in the developed world outside Russia. And, um, And then the next thing is to try to make a policy that makes sense of all of that. And so they've got this this plan, which which puts the pressure really on the manufacturers and importers of, of vehicles. If you want to sell vehicles in here across your fleet, you have to reduce emissions across it. So you'll still be able to go and buy um, vehicles that have high emissions, uh, but on balance, there will be overall, um, you know, lower emissions, fewer emissions, if you like, mm. and. And the argument there that goes is that at the moment we're getting dumped all the all the crap cars uh, overseas and all the all, yeah. all the ones with high emission standards are retained. Um, does that end the Ute? Uh, Catherine King, the federal minister, makes the point that the United States has much uh, better emission standards than Australia does. And as anyone who's driven across the United States in recent times, I've driven across Texas, and I can tell you the cars are bloody vast. Yes, they are. And hmm. Everyone drives vast cars, so it doesn't seem to be a problem with, um, with, with making that happen. There is an argument, though, and that is that uh, although you'll save the whole idea of the emissions coming down and more efficient cars and more electric cars and plugged-in hybrids and so on, um, that the $1,000 in overall fuel savings is a kind of a – total aggregation divided by the number of cars and this is this is what you're going to wind up uh with but but the overall cost of cars is not going to go down that doesn't appear that that argument doesn't seem to hold and there is an argument which needs to play out which says that if vehicles are more expensive overall as we get these newer more expensive more modern more technologically advanced cars um coming in that what some people may be inclined to do is not upgrade their cars so quickly. And yeah. so they stay with older, clunkier cars because, of course, these emission standards don't apply to existing vehicles. If you've got a car, mm. it makes no difference. And so you're going to hang on to those cars for longer and, in fact, the emissions consequently stay up for longer. Mm. Federal Transport Minister Catherine King on the matter this morning. But I imagine that there will be, uh, you know, the usual scare campaign. I've already seen the opposition out there saying that somehow or other, you know, utes are never going to be on the road anymore. That's just simply not true. We've had the US has had uh, fuel efficiency standards, efficiency standards for over, you know, since the 1970s. I'm pretty sure if you look on any road in the US today, there are SUVs, there are pickup trucks or utes being driven everywhere. As you were saying, Hugh. Um, Look, just finally, the Australian writer uh, uh, Yang Hengjun has been given a death sentence in China. I mean, he's an activist. He's a critic of the Chinese regime. Went back to China, was um, arrested at the airport, sentenced to death by a court in China. He's been uh, hanging around, waiting for this in prison for two years. And he's been detained, I think, since 2019. Uh, He's always denied the charges. In recent months, Dr. Yang's family have expressed great concern about his health. 
Foreign Minister Penny Wong's labelled the verdict appalling and said she wouldn't speculate on how the good behaviour condition, which means that he might avoid the death sentence, would work. All I would say is that he has appeal options available to him uh, and I'm not going to uh, engage in discussion which might um, have any effect on, on those uh, options or his consideration of them. Mm, if those who thought that things with China were improving uh, mightn't be encouraged by this today. Oh, it's a terrible outcome. It's a mm. terrible outcome. Uh, one thing you didn't mention there, he is an Australian citizen. Yes, he is. Uh, and, you know, this is such an opaque process as it always is. Uh, the suggestion dates back 30-odd years uh, to when he was working for the Ministry of State Security and it is alleged or has been alleged or suggested that he um, had some communication with a Taiwanese agent uh, and and that seems to be the thing that lies behind it. But it is an opaque process. Uh, and what seems to be at least a significant part to this is that he's become very much a pro-democracy, um, irritant to the Chinese government, uh, blogging and, and um, you know, using a variety of platforms. And you can't help feeling that here is a man now sentenced to death, a sentence of death that will only be commuted to life imprisonment if he's of good behaviour and commits no further crimes while in jail and incommunicado. That's odd. And uh, for what amounts to a thought crime? It is the old-fashioned, you know, thought crime. There's, there's been no, no suggestion that he's ever, you know, preached, you know, violent overthrow or opposition to the Chinese or, government. Or run, simply... or run guns or done... Yes, exactly done anything other than simply been an irritant to the Chinese government as an Australian citizen. Mm. And once again, we are left with a chilling effect about Australians, particularly looking well, you know, to take up any kind of a job within um, mainland China or travel there, uh, now has this thing hanging over them. Chinese Australians with Australian citizenship now have to fret about what happens if they travel back to China to see family and other things because uh, the process just doesn't observe anything that we would recognise as the rule of law. And when you consider a rule of Western law, a rule of, you know, demonstrable transparent law, and so when you look at what seemed to be a thaw emerging between Australia and China, this has put it directly back into the chiller and it's not set, it's not clear to what possible benefit, um, no. other than a throwing around of weight with this poor fella um, being the victim of it. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, I mean, do you see much scope down the track that this becomes something that you know? I don't want to use the word hostage, but it becomes a bit like, well, down the track, it's a, you know, it's a piece on the board to be moved uh, that they might let him. Let him go for some reason. Yes, I mean, again, there's no, um, there's no clear. You know, it's 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 not as if they're a kind of a, a classic sort of terrorist organisation that sort of says, "Oh, we've grabbed this guy, mm. we want that, you have him back." It's it doesn't kind no, of work like that. No. It is, you know, the, the little dots are so difficult to join. But um, you know, plainly, the release by Chung of Chung Lei, uh, another Australian mm. citizen of Chinese birth, um, seemed to be part of a thawing 
process. That's right. China said it was just part of normal process that she was released because she'd served as senators. But, uh, you know, people are justifiably um, sceptical about that. So on the one hand, they give us, on the, on the one hand, they take us away. And this is so much worse a result than uh, the family plainly thought it was going to be and other observers thought it was going to be, that you've just got to wonder what the motivation yeah. is. Yeah, indeed. Hugh, always great to talk. Um, terrific to have you back and uh, all the best. Thank you. And to you, Philip. Take care. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.